Hey, and welcome to the latest issue of the Three Old Geeks Podcast. I am joined once again by the usual cast of characters. First of all, the numbers guy, the evil genius, the key to the inner sanctum, Keith of Keith's Comics. Keith, how are you? Good. Good morning. People listen to this at all times of the day, so well, that Good might be... afternoon and good night. What, did I turn into the Truman Show? Anyways, and then of course there's a man who's always wrong, the pictures guy, the dirty old geek, the man with the hole in his collection, Brian needs one. Brian, how are ya? I'm doing alright. Matching Keith's energy. Hey, stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> okay, and I am the world's oldest kick sidekick. I am the words guy. My name is Lance N. Come with me if you want to live. And welcome to another issue. Well, hopefully the uh, the geek uh, industry has picked up a little bit because we were lacking news last week. There was absolutely nothing last week. We got anything this week? We do have some things this week. First of all, we got to, uh, I know it's not uh, a geeky, uh, but we had two huge passings this week that okay. uh, I just think need to be mentioned. One was Larry King. Okay. And the other was Hank Aaron. Yeah. Which, yeah. yeah, kind of, well, Hank Aaron's like... The, the legend that he deserves to be and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Um, and from what I've heard, and I didn't see the actual name, but uh, there's been controversy over the last few years with the Atlanta Braves name, and they want it changed. At least some people in the public, and probably uh, <coughs> most of them are on Twitter. But anyway, uh, they want it changed. Now with Hank Aaron's passing, I they were talking about naming it something in his honor. Oh, wow. Which um, Atlanta Hammers. Ooh, actually, that's not bad. That's kind of good. Call me. <laughs> Keith, really, get, the, get the copyright on that shit. That's really good. But yeah, that's, uh, so I was actually pleased to hear that. But Larry King is uh, was a legend. I mean, they were both legends in, in their, their own fields. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he lived to be 87 with eight wives, or seven wives. That's, yeah, that, that's, and he was working up until the end. Yes. That's talking, really. What are we doing? I know, that's what I'm saying. Okay, uh, so, are, you, are you breaking a sweat? How about just a moment of fucking silence for these two guys? <laughs> Edit it in. <laughs> Actually, now I think about it, uh, the the what are, the chop thing—it's almost like a hammer, so you can you can keep your same movement. You can keep the same movement. The yeah. hammer movement yeah. becomes the, yeah. way to stretch the, the premise. What else you got? I'm I'm, I'm going with this. I'm going to be big rumor this week come out that they're talking about doing an animated. Sequel. Sequel to Batman the Animated Series. Which would, I, I literally would drop cable and just and keep HBO just for that. You know what, having having gone through them all now, uh, I would say that the second season was... <laughs> we haven't watched the third season. We haven't watched the third season, and some of the classics are in there. Uh, but that's new adventures, so we moved on. Though we're going to come back to that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just for mad love. If that if that trend continues, I am so excited, and I have HBO. So, fuck, give it to me, give it to me, Etebio Ole. Outside of that, I believe that that's all of the big news. Uh, Wandavision did very well. We'll talk about that a little bit. Later. Well, I know, but it just to and say, and isn't the I kept looking for this. Uh, isn't the Kong versus uh, Godzilla trailer supposed to drop on? Sunday or they something like a two second trailer. Yeah, something. it was like a fifty. I only found yeah. like a fifteen second oh, trailer right, yeah. or something yeah. like that. So, all right, is that all you got? That'll be it. All right, that's it for the week. Mm-hmm.
So for uh, our continuing reviews of the latest or the first live-action Marvel series on the Disney app, uh, we're talking, and we're going to do a little catch-up here. We're going to do WandaVision episodes 2 and 3, since we were delinquent on the second one. That was my fault. Uh, WandaVision 2 was called Don't Touch That Dial, and WandaVision 3 was called Now in Color. So we went from the 50s, kind of the Lucille Ball, you know, uh, 50s comedies, to the 60s and the 70s. Yes, uh, so what were the general impressions of, uh, of these two episodes, fellas? I liked number two better than number three. I'll say that. What I am going to say is they're beginning to lose me. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're, the three got away from the whole parody. It's starting to get into the Marvel superhero well but that's what i wanted to well, get that's into what it's taking too i think he's saying it's taking too long it's, it's taking it's, too you're long focusing too much on the sitcoms and, and that and there's not enough meat to it yeah and again i'm gonna go to the uh again i and i know it shocks you guys every time i say this I, i'm not a deep thinker okay I don't want um you want to have to figure out everything you don't want to be sherlock holmes I, you know what i I enjoy watching the videos that people put out after, breaking down Easter eggs and that kind of shit, uh, and different theories that they have. And the reason that I enjoy doing it is because I don't enjoy doing it while I'm watching it. Okay. So, some things I pick up and go, oh, that's cool. Uh, other things I, I go, when I watch the video, oh, that was really cool. Yeah, I get that now. Um, but yeah, give me give me... Give me some meat. Okay. Give me something. So you're saying that all the, the inferences that something else is going on was a little too subtle for you. Yeah, there's no... It takes too long to get to that it's, part. There you go. I, 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 I'm enjoying them, but I do have the same problem where I'm not sure... I mean, you're not supposed to get what's going on exactly. So I get that part. But it, it's almost like the stuff is too subtle that it, you just get by it. Yeah, I, you know what? By two hours into it, if I really don't, if what it's been is a fun parody of these shows, that really isn't going to hold my interest yeah. for long. It I seems want, like I a want... waste of the talent at that point. And they've been, they've been great. As, as the roles they've been playing in the sitcoms they're supposed to be representing, they've been fantastic. You know what? If I look at it in the wider context of this is Scarlet Witch creating a world that she's comfortable in because we're all comfortable watching the old Dick Van Dykes. We grew up with them. We watched Dick Van Dyke. We watched the Brady Bunch. We watched the Partridge Family. We watched all those shows. I remember Father Knows Best. Well, I, I think, remember Leave it to Beaver. I think it's also her wanting a normal life. Right, but the only and, normal and life that she sees life. is is on TV growing up yeah, in Segovia would have been on TV. So yeah. she's creating that as a way to fit in and to create a normal life. And it's not... The questions come up with, how much of it is she in control of? Who's the big baddie? They've taken a lot of time to uh, build up to what the big baddie wants. Because we know that. Anybody what? who's read the stories. If you read comics, you know what, what, what oh, they're okay, going so for. You think it's Master Pandemonium? Oh, I think it's Mephisto. Okay. Uh, there is some interesting questions on, is it Hydra slash AIM? Okay, the beekeeper coming out of the sewer, the guy in the beekeeper. Yeah, I'm thinking it's Aim because that get that was definitely. Well, I, he, to me, he had the sword emblem on the back of it. Oh, did he have yes. a sword? He emblem? had the okay. sword. Yeah, but he still he uh, 
he had the beekeeper, which is reminiscent of the yeah, early. Yes, it is. And he had the hive, which again leads to that. Yeah. All of the uh, hexagons that they have everything in is the symbol for Aang. Yeah. So, uh, and then they keep referring up to uh, Stark, Strucker, now Hydra. Yeah. I mean, they're building the, the history the, through the commercials. The commercials, yeah. Uh, which, which I, I love the Kelgon. Yeah. I, as soon as I saw that, I went, oh, that's perfect. It's the kids. Yeah. yeah. They want the kids. Yeah. I still think it's going to be Mephisto. Okay. I think that's going to be the big bad. Okay. And I think taking the kids is going to be what splinters the universe. Because that leads into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and um, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Yeah, I, I go to, if you follow the stories, it's Mephisto. I don't no, know I, that they're going to pull in Master Pandemonium. I don't know that they're going to go that way. It's kind of a, he would be so obscure. He was very obscure. You know. Well, second episode when uh, in the title, when Vision is phasing through the floor, if you look... Grim Reaper's home. That's yeah, the yeah. one. I I saw that on on a, a Facebook post or something. And I went back and and found it. So yeah. that's that was kind of cool. So uh, Grim Reaper, you've got the connection to Mephisto. On Agnes's brooch, there's a there's three figures. One of them, the taller one, has a scythe. So does that mean she's one of the bad people? Kind of is manipulating. But at the end of the third one, she's kind of going like. She's kind of like, you know, implying that they're all trapped here or something yeah, it, like it that. Yeah, it seems like she was pulled into this. I don't think she is. I think that everybody who's... Or she's she's playing along type of a thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And that uh, the people in the town who have been pulled in, because it's an actual town, yeah. except her. Um, or is it the Billy Momie's Twilight Zone where... They're afraid they of her and they're just yeah. kind of playing along because they don't want to get disintegrated or whatever. And, and I've heard that one too. Her, yes. Except that they, they explicitly point out the, uh, what's her name? Captain Marvel, Photon. Oh, Monica Rambeau? Yeah. Monica Rambeau. The Monica Rambeau character. She was inserted in. She, they, they, she was inserted in. She yeah. doesn't yeah, have a that, husband. She doesn't have a story. She, she doesn't, doesn't have, have a home. home. Yeah. And she's got the sword medallion yes. on or whatever, yeah. But it's almost like she didn't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like she's playing a part. It's like anybody who's in that bubble, the dome. Well, it yeah, also seems she... like like there's points where like the vision figures out something is weird going on, and then Scarlet Witch like resets it, resets it yes. almost. And there was some there's some interesting things in some of the videos that they pointed out. And I'm gonna have to get the name. I know Emergency Awesome. I watch and. Uh, she also gave him her brother's power to move fast. Right. Because that's not, yeah, that, that's that's not, not one of Vision's powers. Yeah. That's one of Pietro's yeah. powers. And, that, and, that, and it was ironic that the episode they, they mentioned Pietro, he's moving at super yeah. speed. Yeah. yeah. Of course, the other one is Wiccan. So he's got Scarlet Witch's powers. One of the things they brought up is that it wasn't Scarlet Witch who made the butterflies come alive. It was Billy. Uh, in her womb, oh. because she makes she goes. Did I do that? I like that idea. I think that's cool. She talks about butterflies in her stomach. The butterflies come to life. She didn't do it. She also couldn't get rid of the stork. Yeah, yeah. Which is the only thing so far in the world that she hasn't been able to control. Yeah, interesting. Okay. And some people are making reference to that's Mephisto in his animal form. I know. You know what? Some of it gets a little weird. I like Mephisto as the villain. 
is it set up by aim they change sword from sentient world observation to sentient weapon observation mm, okay uh and that was in reference to where's uh thor and where's the hulk in um what was the one before oh in the civil war where uh Thunderbolt Ross is talking about it. Yeah. Well, if I lost a couple 30-ton yeah. warheads, people would be asking me questions. Yeah. So now that's sentient weapon. Are they just watching? Is Are they part of AIM? Uh, AIM was there in, in Iron Man 3. That was the whole formation of that, where it first gets mentioned. So it, uh, it could be. I kind of think that would be cool. But then you're also getting into way too many villains and, yeah. and yeah, stories. Yeah, it seems like it's fragmenting too much at that point. Yeah, but they are starting to lose me with the concept. They're not giving me enough meat and they're just kind of uh, giving you said, fluff. You said you have to wait through the episode to get to the part you're waiting for. There you go, where it gets a little weird. Yeah. Where it starts to get weird. Yeah. No, and that's that seems like there's like a pattern to these and it's sort of like, we'll do the, and, and I mentioned in the first episode, it's like you do this light comedy at the beginning and, they're, and it, it, in the first episode it was very jarring. Where they got when it gets weird, and these it not so much. It's almost like it's when you're saying it's starting to lose you. It's like the comedy, the the parody, the comedy portions are brilliant, but again, it's sort of like okay, where's this going? Where's this going? Where's this going? And it's it's it, they're dragging it out too much. I think yes, yeah, because you don't have any. Where's it going? Yeah, give me a little direction. Give me a little. Give me something. Something. Yeah, and I, I you know what I do think they're brilliant. But if you watch, it's a little over the top. I think they're trying to be too brilliant. Yeah, they're, I, I, I think they're trying to be too You shouldn't have clever, to go yeah. watch YouTube videos to try to figure out what's going on in something. Right. Well, and, Brian does because he's not that no, I'm, deep. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, that I'm, deep. Okay. Yes, you're, you're way deep. You're way deep. <laughs> well, okay. Like, so is, is your the, the same opinion, Keith? Like, what, it's, it's that it's it's I, I, too I, I think it, subtle? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. I, I, of course, I'm not the one that sits and, like, watches everything, so... It's, I listen a lot more than I watch, but uh, yeah, I, ju- I just uh, I don't I, I don't think you have to you should have to work that hard to try to figure out what this is going to be. Yeah, and, and also, at, at that point, it kind of it's like doing homework. I do, I stopped doing that a long time ago, as you noticed from the show. Yeah, you are the least prepared. They all. also really don't. Part of the the joy of the early sitcoms is that they were just a thirty minute. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You cared about the characters over time. You watch them. You get that little bits, a little bit, a little bit. We're not getting that here because it's moving quickly through them. Yeah. So there isn't anyone that I really care about right now. There isn't anybody. I mean, I I want to know what's going on. But yeah, you're not invested in the characters. But I'm not. Than... Yeah, because the what the the vehicle that they used implicitly takes out any kind of the emotional yeah. connection like, that like you watching have. the Brady Bunch you cared about Alice. Yes. You, like she's a secondary character and you cared about Alice. Right. Thing. And but, you're not getting that in this. But you didn't care about her from the first episode. No. no. She was a housekeeper. Yeah. yeah. You cared about her in the 15th episode yeah. and it's because you liked her. Yeah. But you didn't know anything about yeah. her. We knew she was fucking Sam the Butcher. Like Sam the Butcher bringing Alice to meat. <laughs> Thank you, Beast. But we didn't know anything about any of the characters, and that's part of the the charm and the joy of. There isn't a lot of backstory. There isn't a lot of character development. Yeah. You, you get Danny is the little mischievous imp who's always trying to get, you know, the next get rich quick scheme, yeah. and Dan and uh, and 
David gets sucked into it, and yeah. Ruben's the fall guy, and it's the same in every episode, and that's part of what you like about it. But that is an emotional vehicle to care about. Yeah. Like, I don't know that Vision is real. Yeah. We saw him yeah. die, yeah, so I don't die. know that he's real. Yeah. So do I care about him? No. They haven't given me anything on Agnes to care about. Yeah. They haven't given me anything on Hank to care about. Yeah. So you get Scarlet Witch, who's confused. Yeah. So you're not really getting a whole lot about her to care about. All right. Well, I will say that in the second episode, the animated, first of all, the animated opening sequence was a joy to watch. Yes. Yes. Total Bewitch, Total Iger Imagini, and stuff like that. And then the animated sequence illustrating how the gum is literally gumming yes. up his works was, yes. was just brilliant. The um, the third episode where they got into the 70s, they had that great kind of Brady Bunch, uh, Partridge Family style opening. But uh, again, the third episode, and I think that where you're going with this is the third episode is where they're starting to, okay, this is getting the whole... I appreciate what you guys are trying to do. This is getting a little old. You know, where are we going with this? If you're forwarding a story, give me a fucking story. Yeah. You know, give me something. Uh, you've shown me Sword is involved. Yeah. How? I don't know. Yeah. But is it compelling enough to make me want to watch episode four? Okay. Well, is it compelling enough to make you watch episode four? I will watch episode four. Because it's your because it's your job for the podcast? Or you're actually I probably... Interested? I don't know that I would watch it if it wasn't for okay. the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's almost the same. Okay. It, 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 it's such a short... The episodes are short, so it shouldn't be that tedious to watch, but it becomes tedious to watch. Yeah, I don't want to be looking for... And you get so All the little East. All the little East. 30 right. minutes of this stuff, and then like a minute and a half of the stuff that you're like trying to actually care about. Now, there have been, like, the Sims are Paint, which was named after the guy who did who does the storyboards. He does the storyboard art. Okay. Uh, I think it's Frank Simser is his name. Uh, so they gave you Simser Paint. So some of that stuff is cool. Yeah, they, they do that the in fact. They do that in the animated, Batman the Animated Series and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's cool after the fact, but uh, I, I don't want to study my TV show yeah. Yeah. in order to... to try to... To glean clues, you don't want to know the bio and everyone working on it, so you can yeah. come up with those. There you go. I don't. I, and I, I, you know what? I liked Lost. It was fun. I. This is yeah. a little too. I, I never watched Lost, but this is what I'm getting out of this. Is they're trying. No, for Lost, Lost gave you a lot more. Lost gave you a lot more. Okay. Yeah, Lost was a lot better done. Yeah, this, this. They're not giving you anything to want to to learn more. Yeah, I'm three episodes in. I don't know who the bad guy is. I don't know. I don't know what the story is. Yet. Yeah, outside of that, she had yeah. baby. Yeah, that, you know. Yeah, <coughs> that, that she evidently is in control of this consciously or subconsciously. Yeah, we don't know if she try. Is she trying to delude herself, or does she not realize she's in it? It's kind of. Or is she not in control and yeah. it's somebody else? Yeah. And see, when they first started jumping time, I was thinking it's going to be Kang. Because they're jumping. Okay, well, the fact that we've already speculated about the potential for four or five different bad guys shows that they're not doing their job well. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna keep soldiering on. Hopefully, this uh, this gets a little meatier and stuff like that. That's our opinion of Wandavision numbers two and three. Let us know what yours are. All right, so for this week's edition of the Three Old Geeks Top 3 list, uh, again, sticking with the whole WandaVision theme uh, and sticking with the Avengers, with 15 minutes on the clock, what are your top three Avengers stories in the comics? What? 
Yes, we're talking comics. Comics? Yeah, we we want to talk comics from time to time. Okay, so number three for me, I'm pulling a Lance special. <laughs> I couldn't decide, but I went with... God, I don't even know what fucking year it was, but they, they kicked off the Avengers. It was the new Avengers, and it was the breakout storyline. Okay. I want to say Finch did the art. Yes, he did. It was fucking Was that great. Bendis? Uh, yes. It was Bendis, yeah. It was, was... Bendis and Finch. It, it was the basic story from the... Yeah, it's the, the prisons all... Yes. The, somebody breaks all the villains uh, out of the prisons. Fucking great. Brought together a whole new cast. It was, it was just a wicked cool little story. Uh, at the time... Uh, the, was, that was right around 2010, maybe? Probably. Yeah. But that, and then um, I'm going to throw it in because I have to. Some people don't consider it, but I do. Uh, the Ultimates. Brian Hitch, Mark Millar. The art was stunning. Yeah. The story, not so much. You know what? They brought up some interesting concept. Uh, you know what? I liked how they did they, the Hulk. I liked how they did uh, Captain America, not so much, but he had some great lines. Um, I, you know what the the Captain America, the Captain America you see in the movies has a lot of influence yes, from the Ultimates. Yes. They really made him a yes. like he was a really like a hardcore soldier well, yeah. in the Ultimates. Because if you consider he was back in World War Two, yeah. he would be. He, he wouldn't was come soldier. up here and be yeah. all like cool. Yeah, he wasn't a superhero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, you know what I loved uh, the first two Ultimates. Third, uh, third was a little. But first and two. Isn't that the, and Keith being the Thor guy, isn't that the first one where they kind of said, like, well, as Guardian stuff isn't magic? It's yeah, more it's, like it's, it's more like, your like their aliens. Yeah, yeah but you know what? No, they, was... they, they left it kind of uh, amorphous and ambiguous. Yeah, they yeah. didn't, they did they said it can be explained with science, but that's not how Thor did it. But and his hammer was technically technological. Uh, technological, yeah. But it, it, it's Kirby, it. it's that Kirby magic technology the, yeah, where the, you have yeah. a circuit board that can do anything or something like that. Yeah, it, it, it was uh, fourth and, world, and stuff. he looked like Hulk Hogan. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, go. Go ahead. You, can, you want me to go? Yeah. Okay. Hey, you stole mine. And then they don't have to go I'm gonna go with my number three, and that was uh, again one of the more recent stories. This was from the great early turn of the century, Busaic George Perez run. Okay. And that is Ultron Unlimited. Yes. Really good. That yes. was just, it had, it, it was, Perez was so even more cinematic than he typically was with like the fight scenes and it made, old, you know, like they did the whole thing like, well, Jocasta's thought patterns were based off of, you know, the Wasp and, and the Visions was based off of Simon Williams. Well, Ultron's was based off of Hank Pym. So he was even more to blame than, you know... And there was something, you know, kind of messed up about Hank Pym. And then the, the just like the fight scenes and the art was gorgeous and, and just I loved everything Perez about that story. Was so height of his powers. Uh, yeah. And of course the great Thor line, uh Ultron, we will have words with thee. I that gave me the chills <laughs> when I read it. Oh dude, that's that's such an awesome story. <laughs> that is uh, my number three. You guys are doing new stuff. Um, oh, my, oh, that's, I did got the new stuff out of the way. Let's put uh, it that way. My, my number three is issue 100 of Avengers. It's basically Avengers go up to Olympus to save Hercules from uh, Ares. Oh, okay. That's it, a good one. It, it, it was drawn by Barry Windsor Smith, who did oh. a phenomenal, insane job. It was just so gorgeous. And it's just like kind of cool to see them taking it out on the gods. 
and, and not I don't think it. I've read that. I, I haven't gotten to that point in my run yet. I, I own it, but I have not read it. It's a great, great story. I mean, it you know, it it's it's got that, that Olympian feel. I mean, the, the Greek feel. Yeah. It. It, it, it's just fantastic. So that's one of my favorite stories. Wow. Okay. Go home and I, I yeah. read that. Do you have it in Beckish? I probably do, yeah. Yeah, it's a, that's a, correct me if I'm wrong, it's like a $100 book. It's, it's can... not a cheap book, yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, Brian, what do you got for a number two? <laughs> to go back to not cheap books, and really this is, I, I, I don't get me wrong, I like the story. I really did. But this is really more of an art thing for me, and that was the Kree Scroll, Scroll War. Okay. Adam's art. Yes. Fucking Neil Adams. I, uh, Sorry. I left that one off because I figured one of you two would have it. Because it, it, it was such a huge story. It was it was, it was. was so, I don't want to say revolution, but the story was like so expansive that at that time they had yeah, they done, do. done a lot of stuff. Avengers hadn't really done a lot of space stuff either. And you're tying in these two uh, boring... Yeah, kind of the classic World. warring, you know, like the yeah. classic alien yeah. races that have been around for like since the '60s and stuff. That like they've that. alluded to them fighting and everything, and this just brought it all out. So, and uh, and then again, Adam's art, yes, which is uh, which he never could do it now. No, he couldn't. Uh, some of the stuff he did in that was just so fucking wicked. Okay, all right. I think my number two is going to be on your list, so I'm going to go into my backup. Okay, and Keith helped me out with the uh, with the issue numbers. Behold the vision, and even an android can no, turn. Fifty-seven, fifty-seven, and fifty-eight. Yeah, fifty-eight. Yeah. All right. So uh, again, the introduction of the vision as a tool of Ultron. Oh, that cover. That's the best cover. Yeah, yeah cover cover is phenomenal. Cover. But the whole and it's maybe a little hackneyed and cliche now, but the artificial man finding his soul, finding his humanity. And becoming something more Fighting than what he was. Yeah, that's a trope. It's bullshit. But it's still, it's still, <laughs> it's, it's such a classic. It's Frankenstein, if you think of it. It's Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah but uh, done so well. Yes. Uh, uh, one of the Busamas. Yeah. Uh, did the John, art on it, John Busama, uh, yeah. and yeah, Sally um, Uh It would have been a big book. Uh, but no, it's just absolutely one of the great origin pieces in comics history. I yeah. think you're. I, I agree. It's one of the great covers in comics oh. history. Uh, and it's just uh, you know, Vision's a favorite character near and near to my heart, so we'll uh, I'll put that in as a number two. Okay. Well, I assume the number two you were talking about was probably Avengers Defenders War. It was. Yes. I, I might as well get that out. <laughs> and uh, I am ashamed to say that I did not read that until recently. Oh, yeah. But and no, it's it's just kind of a cool little. Uh, they're they're all going after the um, I forget what they call it the the. Preston John's... Yeah, there were some old yeah. artifacts. Yes. You keep holding your hand like that. Yeah. I keep thinking... It, okay. Going anyway, after we, Preston John's balls. Oh, stop it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you have some really cool fights, uh, some really neat uh, And, yeah, like they battles. have a ha- Hawkeye take on Iron Man, and they yeah. allude back to Tales of Suspense 57. Uh, they have the Silver Surfer versus Division. Yes, Hulk versus Thor. What, what else is there? There's... Uh, yeah, Silver Surfer version was awesome, and it's all John Buscema art, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and and, and then it it uh, the main bad guy is 
like Loki's like the the sidekick to yeah, the main yeah. bad guy. I forget who the main bad guy is. Is uh, it the collector? It's, 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 uh, it's not the collector. It's the other one. The the, the game master. The games master. Yeah, okay. yeah. Which would be your uh, what's his face? From Elder of the Universe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nikio Del Toro. No. 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 Jeff Goldblum. Jeff oh, Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum yeah. from Ragnarok. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't think of his name. Wow. You know, but yeah, and then it ev- and it, it evolves into like this, me- like towards the end where it's like, well, we figured it out, and we're gonna team up to take out the the bad yeah. guys and stuff. It turns into like this massive crossover where there's a couple panels of the Fantastic Four, and there's Spider Man and Daredevil, yeah. like how this is on like this world affecting yeah, yeah, event yeah. and stuff like that, and you know, like, showing the other heroes react to it and stuff like that. It was really, really cool from the early like the early seventies. Well, it got to be one of the earliest crossovers it, ever. It, I think it was, yeah. What's your number one? Okay, so my number one, I'm actually going outside of the um, Avengers books. This was a mini series, or it was a maxi series. You bastard. Cheater. <laughs> Fuck y'all. I really loved this. It was Avengers Forever. Uh, Carlos Pacheco Art. It was Busiek? It was Busiek, yeah. Yeah. Sort of covered the... the the history. history. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, it's um fuck, who does Kang become? Uh Ramatud and he, he's he's Mortis, he's Mortis. Immortus. Immortus yeah. is okay. the is the villain and Kang actually teams up with the Avengers to fight him. It was one of those that uh it was my introduction to Carlos Pacheco who uh and I hope I'm saying your name right. I really do. Just unfucking real art. Uh, it was one I owned and lost, and then uh, I just hunted to find again, so I probably got many doubles of it. <laughs> and you're missing one. <laughs> no. He's got the whole thing. I got them all. I, you, I you have, have a complete all... run of something? That, that's how you can tell. Wow, you, read it you must really like it. Yeah. No, it, it, it's, it, it goes through the history of the Avengers. Yeah. Because you're going through time. Yeah. So it brings in fucking everybody. Yeah. yeah. Just a great story. <sighs> Kang is not one of my favorites at all. In the comics, he's not. In like the animated series, he becomes something pretty cool and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I agree with you. In the comics, he's not like considered one of the biggest Avengers villains, and I've never been crazy about him. I agree with you. Uh, so uh, and he's incarnations, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is just a, if you haven't read it, great story, great story. Good choice. All right, uh, my all-time favorite, and it's probably because of the bad guys. My all-time favorite Avenger story is the Siege of Avengers Mansion. It's Zemo putting together the largest incarnation of the Masters of Evil. It's got the Wrecking Crew. Oh. It's got uh, Wizard. The Wizard. Yeah, whirlwind. Whirlwind. Whirl- it's got Whirlwind. It's got Blackout. It's got all these guys and stuff like that. And they literally take control of Avengers Mansion. And they that's back when Hercules was part of the Avengers and too. The, the, that's one of those things like the, all the super strong guys they have like beat the like beat Hercules like half to death. It's and and it's just they got Captain America at, at their mercy, and it's just it's one of those stories. It's just like so epic in scale and stuff like that. And I love all the bad guys and stuff like that. And it's it's I I own all the issues. I own trade paperbacks. I own every incarnation <laughs> of this story. It is my absolute favorite. I wish they this bedspread in those panels. Yeah, I wish they would do some sort of an animated movie of this or something the like that. I was hoping for this story. They kind of do the story in the animated in. In Earth's Mightiest Heroes, I kind of do the story, but it's just, it's it's fantastic. It's just, brings, puts a smile on my face. One of my favorite comic stories of all time. Wow. Oh, it's hard to follow. I don't know if I could do it, but. 
Uh, but I won't. I'm not a quitter. Well, why don't uh, we do it like the Fantastic Four one? You could give just minute details of the story and we lose all of our listeners. How's that? Okay, sounds good. Ready? No, uh, <laughs> no actually, my one of my favorite stories, if not my favorite, is the Corvax saga. Okay, I was I kind of held off of that yeah, one. Yeah, I looked at it and went, yeah. no, nah, somebody else has got this yeah, one. I, I was, I, no one picked it, so I went, okay, yeah. Um, That's why. It's Perez again. Gotta yeah. love that. Uh, it's basically the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy going after Michael Korvac, who's becoming this... Space god, space, Yes, yeah. yeah, space god. And, and uh, you know, it, it's the whole fight and everything, but it's afterwards, too. The cover of the last issue is, like, Donald Blake sitting there pounding on, I think it's Hawkeye's chest, yeah. isn't it? Trying to, trying to bring him back to life. And you're, like, looking at that, and I remember buying his kid going, Holy shit! Are people, are all these people dead? What the? And you know, back when you had to wait for books to come out, and it's like uh, it was like every issue, I couldn't wait for the next issue. I was just gonna say, back when you wanted to wait. Yeah, for yeah the, exactly. Yeah, that you was, had, no, you had to. You, you had, had to, you but it. you, but you were excited. Well, yeah, exactly. That's no longer because now everything's built in these six issue stories normally, but. They would leave it on like cliffhangers and stuff back then. And uh, yeah, and and it was those kind of stories weren't done. And you it have, wasn't every book didn't do those kind of stories. Yeah. No, no, and you didn't have comic shops, so you had to like run out to Seven Eleven and, and hope no one else got yeah, it, and, and then or, or tackle the guy who had the last issue yeah, at yeah. the counter and take it out of his hand. Well, I waited until he left after he paid for it. His cold dead hands. <laughs> <laughs> you never kill him because that's bad guy talk. <laughs> There's a few geeks who didn't make it to a comic con that year. <laughs> Anyway, um, that, that, that's my favorite. You know, one of the most interesting things I was thinking about, uh, actually two things. One was uh, Perez, first run on the Avengers, fucking phenomenal. Fucking phenomenal. Then you compare it to his second run on the Avengers. Which is even better. Which is stunning. Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with Elve. And then if you were wearing the, um, the uh, Siege of Avengers underwear, you could call your junk the Wrecking Crew. So, we further journey into the films of the 1990s, landing on the year 1991. So, to get the low-hanging fruit out of the way, gentlemen, Terminator 2, Beauty and the Beast, which I know is one of your absolute favorites, uh, JFK, Silence of the Lambs, and Thelma and Louise, we're going to call low-hanging fruit. So, low-hanging fruit aside. I kind of fucking hate you. <laughs> You can talk about you something have, if you'd you like to talk no about other, something. You have no other choices. No, I. You know what? Uh, Beauty and the Beast was my number one. Um, but well, dude, it was like the, the first animated movie nominated for best picture. I know, and it took my breath away. I know, and you've mentioned I literally it fucking took my breath away. But I can actually, I can go uh, a different way with that. All right. Well, uh, Beauty and the Beast being, we have officially said that Beauty and the Beast is one of Brian's top films of all time. So, with 15 minutes on the timer. What are your top three movies from 1991? And go. So I'm going to go number three for me. It's a little different. I don't think any of you picked this one for me. It is the uh, Harrison Ford, Annette Benning vehicle regarding Henry. Henry. Yeah. Great movie. Uh, Harrison Ford gets shot in a convenience store stick-up. He's a lawyer. Yeah, okay. He's a a, uh, piece-of-shit lawyer who's having an affair on his wife, gets shot in the head going to get cigarettes, uh, loses his memory. Yeah. 
Uh, and completely, his personality completely changes and stuff. Yeah, like it uh, it is a great, and I don't remember the woman he was having an affair with, but uh, yeah, it was uh, just a really feel good movie, uh, and Harrison Ford pulls it off really well. Hmm. Okay, well, Brian, that that puddle's getting a little deep out, yeah, going to the deep wow, end of the puddle that's there. A, that's, a, that's a good choice. I picked a movie without boobs in it. <laughs> Only you would be proud of that. Okay. <laughs> well, it doesn't happen very often. All right, Keith, what do you got? There's no porkies this year. <laughs> uh, my number three, which, uh, you know, could all the ones I'm picking this week could be anywhere between one and three. I like them a lot. I watch them a lot. Um, actually, this one I haven't seen in a while, though. Fisher King with oh, Robin Williams and, and Jeff Bridges. Um, Jeff Bridges, a radio host who just... Very Stern-esque, if we will. Yeah. That was the time of the shock jock. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, Robin Williams playing... Uh, uh, homeless guy. Schizophrenic. Yeah, schizophrenic, yeah. yeah. He's a schizophrenic homeless guy. Yeah. And just who, who's trying to... Trying to get his... What? Trying to... He's trying to rescue a treasure or something. Yeah, he's like Don I, Quixote. I, I, yeah. He's a Don Quixote figure. I don't want to give away the twist. That's weird. But uh, really, if you if if you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. It's a it's a great great great. Yeah, great it's got movie. that Terry Gilliam kind of feel I, to it. His movies all have that feel to yeah. it and stuff like that. It's a it's a it's it's <laughs> Tim Burton. No, it's Tim Burton esque in that he creates a world yep. that's just off. Yes. But you completely buy into. Yeah. And uh, he's another one of those. Yeah. sucked into Robin Williams' world. It's oh my of, God, Robin Williams is brilliant. It's, yes. And it's like when he wasn't. Doing the comedy, and I really respected yeah. that. So, yeah, that might have been actually one of his first kind of serious roles. I think that and Garp, yeah, according to Garp, was right around the same time. Yeah, I would agree with you, though. I think that yeah, this would have been considered a more serious role than even Garp. Okay, because it was such an off movie. Yes, brilliant, but okay. off. Okay, go ahead. Well, again, Keith, I have to agree with you. Um, I kind of struggled with the top movies from this year, but the top movies are some of my all-time top movies. So these these are in no particular order. I got a feeling one of you is gonna name like my number two, so I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with this one. Soap Dish. Soap Dish, ah. great movie. I just it, it's this great ensemble comedy about the soap opera politics of a soap opera. Yeah. And it is so brilliant on the inside. It's a great and cast. The cast oh. is like Robert Downey Jr., Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein, Sally Field. Moriarty. Uh, what's her name? Kathy Moriarty. Kathy Moriarty. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, yeah, Whoopi Goldberg is like the head writer. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is like a. He's kind of a. Is he a writer or is he Robert like the Downey executive? Robert Downey Jr. is an exec. Okay, I thought he was an exec correctly. kind of get, who yeah. gets kind of mixed up and yeah, stuff he, like he's that. He's actually, I think, uh, after. Moriarty, yeah, scared, yeah, and uh, yeah, Sally it's, Field, and it's kind of like the, like I said, the soap opera politics behind a soap opera, and it's a kind of meta and stuff like that. It's really funny, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great, really funny. Uh, it is a great movie. I actually wouldn't have guessed that on your list. No, oh. okay, well, because there's no kung fu in it. Yeah, there's very little. There's very little. Oh, I'll, we're make up for that. There's the one. We're gonna make up for that. <laughs> Sally Field scene, yeah. and Kathy. When Moriarty. I do my solo kung fu only episode, and you guys will be listening to it. Okay, Brian, what's your number two? Uh, okay, so number two for me, uh, I had the Fisher King down. <coughs> I was pulling a lance, 
So, uh, okay. Fisher King slash one of the greatest uh, little band movies ever, The Commitments. <sighs> Oh, okay. That yeah, is a great movie. Yeah, yep. Ride Sally Ride. Uh, yeah, music yeah, the, and everything. I want to say Andrew, Irish. Andrew yeah, it's, it's, a, it's soul music in Ireland. And, yeah. Andrew Strong's a lead yeah. singer. It's, it's a, I used to have that soundtrack in my car all the time. And it's it's the funnest little movie about band politics and, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, how yeah. that all works. Yeah. And just a great little uh, great little movie. It's Yes, I totally agree. Wow, good choice. I'm gonna go Two no boobs. Two no boobs. Wow. No boob Sunday. <laughs> uh, it's the Lord's Day. <laughs> my, my two-way tie for two, I guess, is uh, or two for two uh, would be. Uh, I think I've talked about this movie enough. So Point Break, obviously. Okay. Yes. How, how do you know? I can I see why that appeals. <laughs> I I've never been I've never really, it, I I think it's a it's an average movie. I don't think it's like this cult like it's like this huge cult like greatest action movie of all time and you know, it's a great little cult film man. It is yeah it, you know it, and it's Keanu Reeves Gary Busey it's just a fun flick. Uh, Forgetting the great Patrick Swayze. Yes, uh, there's your kung fu in it too. See, so yeah, it has kung fu. It has kung fu and boobs. It's uh, it's ballet food. More. I've had several people tell me that Patrick Swayze, people I know who study the martial arts, say that Patrick Swayze is like the worst. Like he's like a ballet kung fu that, guy. Well, that's what he, he was. A he dancer. was a ballet. Dancer. I know. I understand. Yeah, that's why I, I said ballet fu. I'm just saying it's ballet fu. My other number two is the Rocketeer. That's my oh. number two. By far one one of my favorite comic book based movies, and you know Jennifer Connelly was the embodiment of. Betty Page. I mean, yes. Dave I mean, at the, t- at the time, she she had the the beauty of her, the smile, the body. She, she had the charm. She was yes, yeah, she, but kind of a presence and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, she was yeah and then she pick. stopped eating. She made vision. The, why this is not mentioned in some of the greatest comic book movie conversations? It it, it it's so true to the story. It is. Uh, the casting is great. I forget who plays the, the creep, but. Oh, uh, I forget who plays it, but yeah, definitely the their their Hatchman's Ron O'Hatton, supposedly definitely Ron yeah, O'Hatton. Yeah, yeah. You get Pierce Timothy Ron, Dalton, uh, is, Timothy is, Dalton is, is, is all is like Errol Flynn yeah. as a, like an you know, and Paul Savino so is good head, in this. Yeah. Paul Savino is the head of the the mob. I might be so a, I might be hey I'm a gangster, but I'm, I'm an American, American gangster. That's yeah. a fucking great line. It's just it's just such a great movie. I, if, if you guys haven't seen it, shame on you. Yeah, no, seriously, that you is... You know what, it, it's funny because the Rocketeer is not a huge character. Oh, no, and it no. was an independent... Like, God, it had to be one of the first independent comics made into a film. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, wh- why that isn't in the, in the conversation of the greatest comic book movies of all time, I don't know. Well, we're going to put it there. There we go. We're going to go. put it... We're going to fucking put it there. Fuck so you, So now that I stole your number two... Okay. What's, what's okay, so I'm, I guess I'm going I'm to have to jump to my number one then. Uh, and my number one is uh, is a land special. It's a tie. <laughs> one of them is cast a deadly spell, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But one of the greatest, probably the second greatest gangster movie to come out of the '90s behind Goodfellas is New Jack City. Yeah, I absolutely. Oh, you know, you've talked about that one. I before. love that movie. film. Yes, it is just so. It, it's Marvel Man Peebles. 
he uh it's written so well it's you know it's like yeah. ice t's first gig you got judd nelson judd in nelson it. You got chris rock in it chris rock's a, like a crackhead crack <laughs> yeah it's just such a great like wesley snipes is the best bad guy in this just like and it's like that whole that gangster movie arc where it starts off where we're looking out for our neighborhood yeah. and you Him know his brother coming up yeah and like i am i my brother's keeper and all this other yeah. stuff and then the money and the power and the women all come into it, and then it, they own a block, and then they own like a you know they they clear out like a tenement <laughs> building and make it into like a crack factory, and there's a great couple of great action scenes and stuff like that. It's just it's got everything. It's written well, it's it's acted well. I just I can't stress enough like that is if you haven't seen that and you like crime movies, you like gangster movies, you gotta check that out. It is such. A representation of like crime at the time like the crack epidemic and and the inner city and stuff like that and i just remember seeing that like on the news and stuff like that and it is such such a great movie i can't stress it enough i agree 100 percent. okay so i'm not i don't think i'm gonna go that epic with my okay. last pick okay it's a small little one billy crystal daniel stern the late great jack palance bruno something I don't know. Bruno, <laughs> Bruno Kirby. Bruno, Bruno Kirby. Kirby. Yep. City Slickers. That is a fun, one fun thing. movie. The one thing. What's her name from... Uh, she did Billie Jean. Or Ellen the, Slater? No. Uh, the, she she played the little sister. Oh. But she's the one that Daniel Stern knocks up. And she comes and tells him at the, the party... Oh God, that is so fucking. Oh, uh, isn't it? Is it Yearly Smith? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, the voice of Lisa Simpson. Yes, uh, just but just Jack Palance is so good in that. The story tells about have you ever been in love? And he talks about that woman in the field and and then just going, and that's that was all it was. That to me is just the greatest little love story ever. Uh, I just love that. It's just a heartwarming little film. It, it really is. It, it touches gives you. me the feels. Uh, you know what? I, I And uh, no Ru- boobs. Three for three. Three no boobs. Fairly deep movies with no boobs. I'm marking this on a fucking calendar, man. Holy Christ. <laughs> oh, all is also random. There's going to be nothing but boob fest. Uh, you know what? No. No. It's going to be titty slickers. <laughs> titty slickers. <laughs> Don't give them ideas. What's your number one, Keith? <laughs> Uh, my number one is is probably no one else's number one. It's my probably one if it's not my favorite buddy cop. I guess you. I knew it. I knew. I told. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Wow. Okay. Go ahead. Announce it. No. Do it. Do it's it. The last boy scout. The last boy scout. Yeah. I Great love that movie. Fucking movie. I love that movie. I, yes. I, I will watch that movie anytime. Yes. Uh, you know, Bruce Willis is a. Down and out detective whose wife's having an affair with his best friend, and he just just schmucks his way through everything. And and uh, you know, Damon Wayans is ex football disgrace football yeah. player to get hooked on drugs and kicked out of the league. And and Halle Berry's his stripper girlfriend. Oh, so. I didn't remember that. I'm gonna have to rewatch that one. Has boobs in it. Who is okay? So, but not hers. Um, you, you, okay. Who's the bad guy? The bad guy is Shelly McCone. I don't remember that. He's a, the fo- the he owns a football yeah, team. Yeah, he's the football owner. He, he's trying to uh, legalize gambling so he can make money off of it. He's he, he's bribing a, a councilman that that 
Uh, Bruce Willis' character hates. He worked as a bodyguard for him, got fired from that. That's when his disgrace started happening. He used to be Secret Service. And that was the second great Bruce Willis film from the year. Yeah. What's the other one? The other one, of course, being Hudson Hawk. But, oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> well, that's... Danny, that's, that's up for debate, but... Danny Aiello. That it was his movie. Bruce was just in it. Ah. Uh, James I Colbert. loved The Last Boy Scout. I have not seen it probably in... It's on the voodoos. 20 years, but... Yes. Okay, I, well, I mean, the I pedigree on this one is, you know, Shane, written by Shane Black. Okay. And then directed by, you know, Ridley Scott's brother, Tony Scott. Fucking phenomenal. Yeah, it is. There, it is. I remember there was some... Uh, there was some interesting um, cinematography in that. Yep. And then you got uh, one of my favorite henchmen from a movie ever, Taylor oh, Negron, yeah. who uses oh, everybody's like William and full name, and Joseph. Like, and yeah, William and Joseph. He just does that with everybody. Yeah. I just, yeah, he, <laughs> Joseph. He, and he's a stand-up comedian, and he made a pretty good bad guy. Yes, he did. He did. And he was in a lot in the nineties. Yeah, he was. He was. He, was, uh, he yeah. made his rounds. He was. Uh, his first gig was he was the pizza man who delivered the pizza to Spicoli in. Uh, yeah. Oh. That's another great very movie. little little known fact. He was also in uh, one of my favorites, uh, Better Off Dead. Oh yeah, played the postman. But all right, well we got thirty seconds left Holy on the clock shit. here, boys. Backdraft, Cape Fear. Backdraft, great Chicago movie. I'll go Toy Soldiers and Dutch. Last Boy Scout, Mobsters, which I love. Cape, yeah, I really? love Mobsters. Yeah, it, it was be- Young Guns for the gangsters. That's it, and that's why. Harley, That's why. Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. That was excellent. Switch. Backdraft? Oh, we said Backdraft. Backdraft. Backdraft actually was like my number three with an asterisk because it's a great Chicago movie. It's got a great cast. Uh, Donald Sutherland is, is, the arse, is like the pyromanic arsonist. is one of the great roles of all time. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Adam's family. Brian, we're going to watch Showdown in Little Tokyo. They eat sushi off and make a chick. Yeah. I'll be in there. All right, that's it. 1991 in a nutshell. Let us know what you think. All right, for our newest segment on the program, we are talking about a movie that you might not have heard of, and we are going to the year 1991, and one of my all-time favorites, the HBO production Cast a Deadly Spell, which was directed by Martin Campbell, written by Joseph Doherty, starring Fred Ward, Julianne Moore, Clancy Brown, and David Warner, so you got a, a really good cast. And man, this was Dresden Files before there was a before uh, Butcher even thought of Dresden Files. Sorta, of, yeah, yeah, it's pretty close. Except, uh, you know, the, the lead guy doesn't use any magic. Uh, yes. So it is 1948, and everybody uses magic because it's gonna make things easier. So it is kind of an urban fantasy, but it is a film noir at the same time. Uh, the dialogue in this is spot on film noir. They didn't. There's no anachronisms. They don't. They wrote this like an old '40s detective yeah. movie. I wish there would have been. There was only a kind of a voiceover at the beginning and a voiceover at the end. I wish there would have been a voiceover through the whole thing because I'm a sucker for that. But uh, yeah, uh, the detective Phil Lovecraft, H. Phil Lovecraft, which is just the names in this are just brilliant, yeah. is hired to find the Necronomicon, who was stolen, which is stolen from David Warner. Yeah, that guy never plays a good guy. He is never a Him good and guy. Even Clancy Brown. And K- Clancy Brown is just such the awesome, like, 40s kind of heel in this. He's Cop got turned bad. Who's the guy who played the hench Mr. So-and-so? Who oh, oh, Tugwell? Tugwell? Mr. Tugwell. He was on a couple of things. I'll, you guys talk and I'll look him up here. He was on Babylon 5. That's the only thing I remember from. He, I, I've seen him in other places. He's, He's been... one of those great character yeah. actors yes. who... 
Uh, unsung, but adds to. Yes. But no one gives a zombie any credit. Doing his best. Dude, I, would, I actually wanted to know if that was the Johnson. same zombie from... He was doing a Tor Johnson, but he almost looked like the zombie from uh, from Night Stalker. No, he was too big, I think. He's too wide. Too big? Yeah, he was doing a pretty good Tor yeah, Johnson. Yeah, he was per- doing a great Tor Johnson impersonation. I'm like... Uh, nobody gets Tor credit for uh, creating for what he the came genre. Up with yeah. yeah, what Tor was Tor was a legend beyond his own time. <laughs> okay, the actor who played Tugwell, the uh, Clancy Brown's henchman, and Clancy Brown was Bo- Harry Borden, the the villainous uh, ex cop. Uh, his name is Raymond O'Connor, and he was in The Rock. God, I thought he was in something. Shout out to Raymond O'Connor. Yeah, he was because yes. he was fucking he great. Was, he was a great uh, magical assassin henchman yeah. type yes. of a guy. Uh, that that death by a thousand paper cuts scene. That is yes. one of the things that stuck with me. I remember that to this day from watching this. I watched must watch this five times when it came out in. in it seems 91. like they borrowed that from Spectre a little bit, but Spectre borrowed it from. Spectre came out first, I think. This came out in ninety one. Spectre, the Fleischer Spectres, came out in the seventies. There was Fleischer Specters? Specters, yeah. Specter didn't, didn't, didn't Specter was around in the seventies, sixties and seventies. Okay, you're gonna we're gonna have to talk offline on this because I've never seen that before. The comics? Oh the com- you're saying Fleischer comics? Fleischer, 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 yeah. The 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 D C Specter, which Neil Adams did a couple issues of. Yes. Uh, four. They, I, okay, believe, I, believe, I, believe, I believe they had someone cut to death by Aparo Woody Nash. Yeah, no, Aparo, and that, I, I know about those, but you're saying Fleischer. Like, I was thinking Fle- there's an animated Fleischer. Yeah, no, I'm no, saying, no, we're no, thinking no. Max the, Fleischer the, Superman. No, it's not Max Fleischer. I forget this, the guy's first name. Okay. His name was Fleischer. Okay, too. okay. Well, you were making He's me right. think there was a Fleischer yes, Specter. I was like, why did I ever heard of this? What I am going to say about this movie is... Fucking ticked every box for me. It did for me as well. Love film noir. I love the mixing of the sorcery and the the 40s. Um, It's Michael Fleischer. Michael Fleischer, okay. Okay. The dialogue, as you said, spot on. Uh, Fred Ward, who... uh, Fred Ward was born to play a gritty 40s detective. I swear to God, dude. And the guy doesn't... He's so underrated. Yes. I, I don't think people talk about Fred Ward enough. You got this, you got Remo Williams. What else do you need? Julianne Moore was a great kind of uh, noir dame in this, you know, the torch singer. real. How gorgeous she was. Yes. And she was a true film noir dame. She's not as pure as the Driven Snow type. No. Uh, There's some good twists in it. Yeah, but you know what? I, I was thinking that maybe it's because 91 it would have been twists, but 30 years later it's uh, tropes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you could see a lot of things coming. Oh, yeah, definitely the the daughter part of it. Oh, that fucking made me laugh. You knew Just that was laugh. Funny. You knew. Yeah, yeah. The the actually the end is one of the things that dis, that kind of disappointed me a little bit. I didn't remember the specifics of it, but when I watched it again, when on the rewatch, I was like, "Wait, he doesn't the the it, it's basically an act a random act basically saves the world type of thing." I was like, "That's a little goofy," but. Again, but I, it was a it was a clever. From the twist. beginning of it, you knew that was going to happen. The part that bothered me, a little bit, which I don't think would have bothered me in '91. I don't know that I'd have caught it. Uh, that the fact she was only 16 years old. Yeah, the yeah, married that, cop but, deflowers the 16. Yeah, year old girl. that was yeah. a, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way as yeah. well. Yeah. I I went wait what? Yeah. I, in '91, I don't know that I'd have thought of it. And I, I don't remember. Would you thought of it in '48? 
No, because 16-year-olds were like 30-year-olds uh, Okay, but that's today. what I'm, I'm saying. It was 1948. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You know, how old was uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and his cousin? 13. Yeah. She was 13. And it destroyed his career. Yes. Yeah, the the uh, the married cop deflowering yeah. the 16-year-old. Yeah, that bugged me a little bit, too. Yeah, I, I think they could have come up with a better something than yeah. that. I wish they would gave you a little bit more background on how magic came into being. Yeah. I, I was I, hoping I, that it was going to be developed around World War II with... Hitler and his yeah. whole, famous, his whole that, that's uh, the thing one, with, with I couldn't figure out if I, if I like that or I didn't like that, that they didn't give like a backstory to this. But I like the fact that you kind of just jumped right in and there was... Uh, no, I like that, but I, I thought through some sort of exposition at some point mentioned, you know, that this all started, came about during the war when, you know, magic was discovered okay. and used against that and something. Yeah, they didn't give a reason why no. he was against magic either. No, no. That, Actually, in the sequel, they they do they I guess they delve into that a little bit more, so we'll have to track that down or whatever. No, I guess they did talk about it. Uh, they're, they're, that scene, well, no, that shortcut, scene more, it's yeah. a shortcut. It doesn't. And basically, he he had that great that great line yeah. like, "I don't use this because nobody's got a mortgage on my soul. Yeah, exactly. I own it free yeah. and clear, or something like that." I thought that was one of the best parts of the movie. Yes, there's a cost to magic. I think. Yeah, I was also a little disappointed. I'm sorry. I saw the twist coming with Julianne Moore. Okay, but that's that's a that's a trope. Of <laughs> that's a trope. It's yeah, just the dame. She's the dame. She didn't pay a price, other than a broken wrist and going to jail. Yeah, but not really. Yeah. I mean, she didn't really pay a price yeah, for it as much as anybody uh, else. Did, David yeah. Warner did. Yeah, Clancy uh, Brown did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Clancy Brown did uh, at her hand. So I would have liked to. I would have liked to have seen her pay. Okay. Some kind of cost to that. It was kind of uh, the cheetah at the end of yeah. Wonder Woman eighty four. What kind? What? What? Yeah. What did she? What did you lose? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I and the other thing you're talking about the disappointment. It was a little wackier than I remember it being. The gargoyle. Gargoyle's got the, nards. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I thought like the gremlin hump in the guy's leg was a little goofy. Yeah. And I thought, like, I, I loved the some of the little subtle touches, like the bloody rain was great. And, like, the, and Garibaldi, like, at the beginning, he lights a cigarette with, a, like, a flame spell or whatever. But then there was, like, the stuff like, oh, they're in the train station and they're hauling bags using levitation. And then, like, they're in the background, in the, like, in the background of the police station, I thought, like, the, the, the medium with the Ouija board was really great. But then they showed some <coughs> secretary come in and, like, the file she was looking for levitated out of the cabinet and i thought like there was some some of the little stuff was great and some of the little stuff was like this is kind of wacky i think it was just emphasizing that everyone used magic but him so that's why you yeah saw okay. everywhere the, the fact that he was the one guy who didn't yeah but that doesn't that still doesn't mean that some of the background stuff wasn't a little oh, over the top i love the uh the interrogation of the werewolf yeah. creature and the, uh, the vampire hooker yeah that made it fun yeah, I I liked the uh, practical effects. Yeah, I liked the makeup. I liked the, the way that yeah. they yeah the creatures created a world. They were consistent. It was part of that. Yeah, I thought I actually I liked the part where he shoots and uh, and then the gargoyle stands up and looks at him and is like, "What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah." I liked that. I did not so much like him kicking him in the nuts. Yeah, that to me was. That was like an easy out. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's bulletproof, yeah. but he's still you can still kick him in the nuts. You're gonna kick him in the stones. Yeah. That. Uh... Well, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Was waiting for somebody to say that, but yeah. So so some of it, 
I liked the gremlins in the engine. Yeah. I thought that was fun. Uh, yeah, I didn't like them humping the leg. Yeah. I liked the Hitman using magic. Yes. That would, some of the clever ways that they... Yeah. I like the fact that they actually kept the, the actual money to be time accurate. Yeah. No, they're, 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 that, they're, they're, that they're was the red. one thing is whoever did the sets in this and the costumes... Yeah. It yeah. was the 1940s. It yes. really was. Yeah. They they did not skimp on the on on this. No. Um, and then yeah, lo, and the hitman the the whole scene in the diner. Yeah. You're casting <clears throat> runes at me, pal. If I'm standing this close, you're gonna get in the, yeah. the demon coming out of the oatmeal and and uh, and that was just freaking fantastic. I mean, like yeah. And then uh, I I will a couple of lines of dialogue just the beginning like. When the when the the gal punches out like get up Garibaldi make everybody think that you've never been knocked out by a demon yeah. that was such a great line and then uh, and when Olivia shows up in his office uh, and, you know oh let's get some breakfast well it's kind of late is it eh, it's got to be morning somewhere, somewhere in the world yeah. it's just some of the great like hard boiled lines yes. it, it was really written well I I love that um, I love noir I love that the yeah don't and then shoot the, the great references to, to uh, like he's the old the, the cop's name is Bradbury. Yes. The uh, Clancy Brown's um, uh, his his um, nightclub is the Dunwich Room, yes. which is another great uh, reference to Lovecraft stories yep. and stuff like that. And then like the David Warner that spell that he I'm like been getting into like spells for some reason because Werewolf on Wheels was a terrible movie, but there was a great satanic like mass spot and it was a great like you know summoning the the devil or whatever this is a great summoning of the the outsiders oh, the nice. cthulhu's you know yeah. and stuff like that it was a really well thought out like it sounded creepy you know yeah. all right so uh one of my favorites although i didn't quite like it as much as i remember liking it like i said i was a little goofier than i remember it being i'm gonna call this one a four and a half star movie and i still say that everybody if you're in a Supernatural, Buffy, Dresden Files, any of that, Hulu, you, any, of, any yeah. of that stuff, yeah. you got to check this out. Four and a half star movie from me. Four star movie. Four star movie for me too. All right, that's our opinion of a movie you might not have heard of. Cast a deadly spell from 1991. Let us know what you think. What do you think of the podcast? Let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Tune in next week, same geek time, same geek channel for the super spectacular one year anniversary issue. Thanks for listening, and hey. Keep on geeking out.